Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson. I'm joined by my co-host, Gian Lemmy. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Uh, man, I remember you from the, the playing days. You were tough as nails as a competitor on the tennis court. And uh, But even you, Gian, I think you could have benefited from, from learning uh, from a master mental skills coach like Phil Shomo. Um, yes. Um, I remember my freshman year, Chad, we went to, uh, South Carolina for spring break and we played a D2 team. I forgot the name of the school and I'm playing probably number four and we're definitely much better than this team. And somehow this guy I'm playing is a terrible matchup for me and everybody's smoking their players and I'm losing and we end up in a third set and I end up losing. And that was one of the worst feelings in the world because I literally just choked it. You know, I should have been that guy, but he just got in my nerves. His game bothered me. And I remember feeling so defeated. I definitely could have used Phil Shomo um, at that moment. Yeah, I I could just tell story after story of uh, some some big time moments where I've faltered and didn't bring my game. And now as a coach, man, you see like, son, this is your potential. And uh and you think, why are they not living up to their potential? And that is exactly the the space that Phil Shomo enters into, and he helps coaches and uh, and walks with with athletes, junior, college, and pro. Um, he specializes in golf, but uh, he's spoken with my team. Um, he does stuff with baseball, but he's just a, a master of people. Um, he he knows people. He's an amazing mentor. You know the connections he. He's a mentor to Justin Brown, who's doing great things, and and so many others. But he's been a personal uh, mentor for me for about three years, meeting with me on a monthly basis, getting into the heart, the identity, the emotions um, for for me as a man. Forever thankful that I crossed paths with Phil, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So let's get into it right now. Phil Shomo, are you kidding me? Uh, we got you on the Christian Coach Podcast. So good to have you. Oh, what a blessing, man. I love it. Thank you so much, Chad. Hey, well, we don't like to waste time here. Uh, just our power question that we love to start things off with is, uh, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Oh, wow. Um, well, for me, that is a big question. It really is because uh, I'm the environment that I typically am working in um, is not promoting uh, the, my faith. Uh, as as something up front. So, um, it, but what it does mean to me is my uh, my walk with Jesus and His uh, influence on my life affects the entire paradigm of how I work. Um, so, uh, for example, um, to be a Christian coach to me means I want to see things the way Jesus sees them, and that starts with seeing the value and worth and inherent. Um, image of God in the, the life of every person I have an opportunity to coach. Um, so I see my coaching as identifying that value and then helping to draw that value out so that that person can see it, first of all, and then begin to um, actualize in their own life what it really means for them to be a person where value is inherent and not just earned. Um, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the dream is for them to help, uh, is to help them see that the, that God is the author of that value and that Jesus has come to rescue and redeem 
that value for all eternity. So it really shapes just the way that I want to see people. It shapes the way I want what I'm trying to lead them to see and understand and put into practice. And the fun thing is that that uh, gets to relate to sports uh, in my current role. Um, all the time in sports, I think, is just one of the greatest outlets ever for discovering that uh, integration of both your body and your soul, uh, and your soul being the inner part of your life. So, yeah, it shapes shapes everything I do, um, the way I want to see. Uh, and in me, I'm having to constantly recalibrate uh, myself um, to that, that framework. So, uh, yeah, it's it's everything, man. As you talk about drawing, drawing value, identifying value, uh, man, you just want to say thank you that you've you've done that for me in our our one-on-one talks and just been an unbelievable mentor and speaking life in, into me. So I uh, just want to oh, say thank, thank you. you. But how did you get to this point? I just want to hear take us back to your journey a little bit about your childhood. Um, what was your dream coming out of college? As much as or a little as you want to share. Uh, yeah, sure. So. Uh, wow, goes way back. So um, I grew up uh, in a very strong faith family. My father was a preacher um, and a singer, musician, um, and uh, grew up in the church. Part of the time my dad was pastoring, so I kind of had that experience um, and I was just really exposed to the faith side of life from the, from the very beginning. Um, and that has its good and its bad. I mean, that's pro, there's a lot of pros and cons in that. I struggle with a lot of that um, growing up. But I think the authenticity that I saw in my parents um, and in some other uh, adult leaders and mentors had a huge influence on me um, and kind of helped direct uh, where I was headed. I went to a Christian college uh, up near Chicago called Olivet Nazarene University and um, went there originally to study computers and computer programming and while I was there really shifted and felt like uh, studying um, scripture and uh, making a ministry more of a career pursuit was the direction that I kind of turned that into while I was there and I came out of came out of college um, really hungry to find this was really true then and it's funny now looking back on it all these years because I came out of college really hungry to find sort of a, a more non-traditional path to influence people for Jesus. I have, that has led, I have spent years pastoring a church, church planting and all that, but I've also been involved in a lot of different variations of ministry that were very outside the norm um, and uh, with different people groups in very specific ways. So all of that has sort of really played out in in many many ways um so that's kind of the the faith journey side um i really invited jesus into my heart when i was about about nine years old um and uh that you know started the ups and downs and roller coaster and all that i would say i didn't get really by hindsight i didn't really get serious about what that meant to my life or how that could shape my life until i was more in college and then much deeper after college even um, and still today, uh, you know, pursuing my goal of being what I call a soul awesome at 80. I want to be better in my soul at 80 than I've ever been before. So um, SA80 is something that I keep, keep reminding myself of regularly. Uh, sports have always also just been a passion. I loved it. Grew up playing all kinds of sports and um, just 
have always loved it, been a fanatic uh, as a fan, um, always involved competitive stuff myself. And uh, as I, as I got older, um, there was just some cool ways that those two things intersected. And uh, now I'm, I'm just doing what I love. I love being in, involved in athletics and I love connecting that to the development uh, for, especially for young people and uh, how their life can become less disintegrated and more integrated as holistic beings internally and externally in their in their chosen sport so that's that's the short story the short journey and um there's lots of details in the middle of all that so can you take me back to um you're you're leading a a church and and had had pretty big dreams and and think about metrics and and growth and uh, then you saw that time come to an end. And can you just talk to me about the, the journey of what you learned about yourself through trying to build a, a successful church and then seeing it uh, not, not maybe come to complete uh, fruition? Sure, yeah, that, that's, um, man, what a, wow, what a, what a Pandora's box question that one is. That's a great question, Chad. So yeah, I was part of a church plant um, and, and ended up being the lead pastor and was involved in that for about 20 years. And I would say it was just a wild 20 years. The first um, five years, I would say I was really intoxicated with uh, building a big, successful church, getting asked to speak at conferences, writing books, being an acclaimed author, being seen as one of these like church gurus who, you know, really knows how to be gigantic. Um, Five, six years in, that was not happening at all. Um, And it threw me into a personal crisis of what was my motivation? Why did I get into this in the first place? What am I trying to do here? Um, Had a young guy in my church who had really come to know Jesus in some vital ways um, who picked up on some of that and challenged. I was supposed to be discipling him and he said to me one day over a Burger King table, um, he said, uh, long story short, he said, wondered why it was that I seemed to be so frustrated by people who weren't walking into the church every Sunday and not nearly as interested in those who were actually there. Um, and that was a real kick in the face. I mean, what, what in the world? Like, I'm supposed to be pastoring this church of people, and this guy who doesn't even understand how churches work is aware of the fact that I am, I am not that interested in the people who are there because I'm so frustrated that there's not enough of them or that there's too many people who didn't show up or something. And that really started a personal crisis, I mean, for a number of years. Um, where I had to just come clean with God, with some trusted advisors, counselors, on just what was the motive of my heart? Why was why was I needing validation so bad? Why was I using ministry as a way to make me feel like I had value? Um, and which really threw me, I think, in you know. In, in biblical ways at the at the feet of Jesus in a really broken, humble, um, painful way. And um, 
which really then led, I think, to the latter years of the ministry in that church uh, to just an entirely different focus, really trying to be much more invested in the people that, I, that, that God brought my way and see change happening in their hearts and lives through through Christ and his work in them. Um, and all of that was, you know, was amazing. Um, there was, at the end, there was just a... Um, there's a lot going on in my life personally as well that was sort of a, a little bit of a burnout, a little bit of a burnout kind of situation. And some of that, I think, was God trying to really move me on to something else and me resisting that because I just couldn't couldn't uh, see it and probably wasn't willing to trust him enough. So um, but, you know, God has a way of uh, if you're committed to him, has a way of getting you where he wants you to be, even if you're digging your heels in. So I would say that's what happened in my situation. I think a lot of coaches can really resonate with, with what you just shared. And for me personally, you know, coming down here to point um, before that I was a PE teacher and was giving high fives to, you know, 200 kids. And I feel like I wasn't having a, a big impact on them. And so I wanted to come down and coach college with, we got a group of nine guys to just uh, make a difference and disciple them. And, year two, three, four, I feel I got uh, a little distracted and caught up in the, in the metrics and the rankings and, and the bonuses and, and stuff like that. Um, but what would you say as we just think about um, from, from your journey, the identity, you know, having uh, my identity is you talked about just needing the validation and, and the motive of your heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think coaches should do about, man, how do I get yeah. my identity in the right place? Well, to me, that's the central issue and basically in everything in life, but it is really huge in sports. Like it's huge in everything, but it, in sports, it is what, what your ultimate driver is at your core, I think plays itself out in such direct ways. Um, and that's true for the athletes, but it's also true for the people who lead the athletes. Um, myself included, like it's just a, it's a, it's a constant challenge. So I think you and I have spent some time in the past talking about a framing um, that a, a sports psychologist, Gio Valiante, who works a lot in the golf world, uh, he's the one who introduced the language to me, which makes a lot of sense. He talked about how our motivation, our core, our ultimate why we're doing what we're doing kind of comes down to like a continuum and on one end of the continuum is an ego drivenness. That's that I've got to validate that I'm important, that I'm good, that I'm great, that I'm elite, that I'm special. And I'm going to do that through wins and losses. I'm going to do that through a performance. Like my competitiveness is actually fueled by this rocket fuel of ego. And on the other end of that continuum and geo as far as i know is not a follower of jesus but the framing he's just he's just a smart guy who just understands how it works like the other end of that framing is that my fuel for what i do is a mastery of the craft that i'm involved in that i'm actually not just so much caught up in trying to prove myself as important I'm actually driven by the joy of discovering improvement and growth and really, really getting better. And as a Jesus follower, I heard that framing and that resonated with my own journey with a 
strong spiritual attachment to it because I took the mass, what he called mastery of the craft, I actually took as being sort of a um, stewardship of the gifts that God's already given me. So in other words, I can either be driven to prove that I have value on the one end, or I could accept the value that God has given me and that Jesus came to redeem as already being mine. Like it's automatically mine. I don't have to earn it, prove it. I don't have to acquire more of it. I don't have to somehow elevate my status to God. Like I can just accept that I am his son. I am forgiven by his grace. I am empowered by his spirit. Like this is already mine. And I can then also see that he's given me gifts and abilities. He's given me a mind to use. He's given me physical skills and talents. Just every athlete has been given gifts and they can learn to steward those in a glorious way that brings beauty to the world, flourishing to those around them. And ultimate to God really is, is using what he's given, given us in ways that bring him great joy and honor. In other words, doing your good works before men that they may see your father in heaven and bring praise and glory to him. I think that's very possible through sports and athletics. That's possible through coaching that I can actually be a better coach tomorrow than I am today. Not because I have to prove my value, but because I actually bring joy to God and flourishing in his kingdom when I do that daily. So that framing has been really huge for me. And I think coaches who are not getting that figured out and then pursuing their deeper value in in God, which is their original source, I think we're living in sort of a little dangerous position where um, I know our mutual friend Justin Brown uh, uses loves to use the language of transactional versus uh, transformational, that when I'm engaged with a player because I'm just trying to sort of use them to build up my own wins and losses, it's a very transactional relationship. But when I'm engaged with players where I crave their flourishing, their growth, both inwardly and outwardly, their physical talents and skills and them as a person in who God's wired them to be, that it can be a very transformational kind of relationship. And that's the kind of coaching that I really want to devote myself more and more to all the time. And I love that the ego, ego versus mastery and uh, just getting into your, your current work, um, you know, as you go to, to sit down with, with many young, young, young people, uh, athletes, um, your, your website talks about helping athletes build their human skills for turning adversity to advantage within the midst of high level competition. Um, yeah. what, what, what do you, when you sit down with a young athlete, um, what are you really trying to, um, get at and, and help them with so that they can improve their, their human skills. Cause I think a lot of coaches, um, you know, they're, they're going to go out to practice today and, uh, that's what they want to do. They want to help their student athletes uh, grow and improve. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> athletics of any kind are, is always a mix of physical talent and abilities and mastering sort of the techniques, the mechanics, the conditioning, the physical side. But what sports are genius at, 
and some sports do this directly. I think all sports probably do this in some way, but sports, the ones that are obviously doing this, I, I spend most of my time in the golf world, a little bit in the tennis world with you and some, some tennis players, a little bit in soccer and baseball. Um, but golf is where most of my work actually happens. And, and that's just an extreme example that carries over to other sports, but golf is a game. Uh, watch, I'll use that as the example. Again, it's not isolated to golf. It's true in every sport, but golf is a game where the technical, mechanical, physical side can get really, really good. And you can come to a very high elite level just because you have physical skills that are very good. But when you elevate the competition level, when you take sort of a higher level of uncertainty married with a higher level of consequence, married with a high level, I love the language of emotional exposure. Like I am going to be found out in this high uncertainty with big consequences to either have what it takes or not. When you put them in that stressful of an environment at such a high elite level, if they are impoverished on the inside, meaning they don't know how to deal with their own emotional state, their own sense of, of fear about what those outcomes could mean for them, what the exposure would mean for them. If they're not, if they're not integrated with physical skills and a really strong inner life where their thoughts, emotions, and desires are actually working cohesively together, they're going to be exposed in that elite environment. Their physical skills are actually going to be reduced and they're actually not going to perform consistently nearly at the level they're capable of because this impoverished inner life is going to overwhelm what they actually physically are capable of doing. So as long as they stay in environments where they automatically have internal confidence because they're just at a lower level environment, you know, I'm not, I grew up playing basketball a lot and I haven't played basketball for years, but I'm still pretty confident if I went out and played with six year olds, I could be pretty good. Like even not, you know, I could be, I could be maybe the best on the court, but what is that? Nobody cares. Who cares if some 57 year old guy is the best basketball player in a six year old league, right? It's not that like in that environment, I can have all kinds of confidence. But if you put me on the court with other people at my age at an extreme level, I got nothing, right? So the environment I'm in has a lot to do with whether or not I am actually capable of performing. And that's really the work that I do is how can we help your thoughts, your emotions, your desires become more cohesive and integrated so that when you're in these moments, in these environments, in this higher level of competition, you can actually self-manage in a way that allows your training on the physical side to elevate itself. And that's what every coach, every coach is trying to get their players or their team to not only understand how to perform things, but they're trying to to get them also to the level of performing them when it really matters. And if they don't do the when it really matters, the fact that they performed them super well in practice or in practice games or against lesser competition 
is ultimate frustration. That's really hard. So that's that's the work that, that I do. I call myself a mental skills coach. Sometimes I'll talk in terms of I'm a mindset coach. I help athletes bring the right mindset to the higher level competition so that they can perform hopefully closer to what they're capable of actually performing with physically. Of all the things that you have uh, read and learned uh, on the mental side of, of sports training, if you had to just give a, a 20 second tip or, or one tweet to a, to a player that you're working with, what's just like one piece of advice to help a, a young person reach their highest potential and uh, you know, not, not block the skill sets that's within them? <laughs> Well, if it, if it was that simple, I wouldn't have much of a job. So it, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard for somebody who does what I do to, to boil it down super simple, but it, it really in many ways comes down to self-control and do, can I actually, when I need to perform the most, can I actually manage myself to not get in the way of my own capability? So I would say in a 20, 30 second, that's really, that's really what it boils down to. It's very hard to just hear a tip and then go do that because the actual experience in the environment kind of prevents our brains from remembering things that we were supposed to do unless those things are more ingrained in us pretty deeply. So self-control. I like, I like that. Uh, great, great tip, I think. And sound like the apostle Paul young men be, be self-controlled, but w what about for the coach as you're talking about like an impoverished, uh, soul or, or struggling with emotions and thinking about all the adversities that coaches face, maybe they just got fired. Maybe they're on a, on a losing streak. Um, maybe things at home, but they're facing an adversity. What would you encourage, uh, me or, or another coach to just be in touch with, with their, inner inner self their emotional state yeah i i guess like again kind of some some simple tips would be you know adversity tends to drag us into a state of being overwhelmed feeling like there's too many things i can't get my hands around all of them i i'm confused about all that's happening for a coach. Why are we, why am I losing? What, what's not working? What did I used to do? I'm not doing again. Where do I start? How do I even get? So it's adversity just sort of pushes this idea that chaos is around us. And in the midst of chaos, it, it tends to be overwhelming chaos or crisis or ultra stress. It's actually, I, I've done a lot of study in what's called challenge versus threat states and how we come to these high uncertainties, high consequences, high emotional exposure, and the stress pushes us into either towards a challenge, seeing this as a challenge that I want to take on or seeing it as a threat that I want to protect myself from or get away from. And nobody defaults to challenge automatically, like you actually develop certain characteristics and skills that helps you take on challenges at the a super high stress level. Otherwise, it's, it's like a threat to you. So the short, all, all that to set up to say, if you're in that situation where that stuff's spinning and chaos is happening all around you, the, the most simple thing that you have to do is you have to stop, pause, slow down, 
and then intentionally into what can I do something about, or in a sense, what can I control in this situation? I can't control everything in this situation and I can't tackle everything in this situation. What is something I can do something about? And then will I invest myself in taking a step forward on that thing I know I can do? And what actually happens in our from a physiological neuroscience standpoint is when we begin to control something that is appropriately given for us to control. I'm not talking about trying to be God or take over. I'm talking about God's given us things to have control over, starting with ourselves and then sort of extending out from there. When we exert control on the right things, so for a coach that's losing, can't figure out how to get that turned around, what what do you really believe in and how can you go hard on the thing you really believe in? And when you do that, when we take a step forward, even on a, from a brain science standpoint, it literally begins to open up possibilities that we can expand into other areas that we know we can tackle. So this idea that it's chaos means I don't know where to start breaking it down into, I don't know if this is the most important thing or even the best thing. I just know this is one thing and I'll go after this one thing. And then we begin to, from there, actually see ways that we can unpack other things. But chaos tends to get crazy. Everything speeds up. We don't, you know, we, get, we start going too fast. Typically we, we make quick impulsive decisions and moves. We try to microwave a solution you know super super fast um generally that for the most part that just creates more problems so um, i would say stop slow down calm yourself solve one thing that's in front of you i actually use that framework with athletes stop calm solve scs i teach them a lot of time in the middle of chaos just stop pause just slow down and then calm yourself and there's techniques and ways to do that and then solve one thing that's in front of you and that's gold right there thank you for that i'm going to use that <laughs> at, at practice today stop calm solve um man this has been so good i want to take a little little pivot and just get back into your personal life and uh sure. i remember in one of our our lunches together, you you shared about kind of your your life theme or a word, maybe it was a, a Greek or Latin word. Uh, but can you just take me back to what that word is and, and what it means to you? Yeah, I actually uh, started a business doing business consulting years ago um, before I started doing the sports stuff and now do Phil Shomo coaching as as the sports side. And I, I chose this word as the, the head of the company that I developed. The word is dignitas. It's a Latin word. And dignitas uh, resources is my consulting business, um, although nobody really knows that. That's just sort of the legal umbrella. But I chose the word on purpose because the Latin word dignitas, which we would immediately think of dignity, right? Like English translation is dignity. But in Latin, the word means way more than, than just dignity and that culture that the latin culture from which the word comes is more of an honor shame culture and dignitas that culture was really viewed as 
the sum total of the sum total of what you've done have this level of honor but it's all based on what you have what you've done what you've accomplished if you've done that that moves you towards honor if you haven't done enough that moves you towards shame sounds so ancient and out of touch with our modern world except that's exactly really the way we function today your honor is based is attached to what you have what you've done and if you don't if you haven't done enough it's shame and i took the the word because part of what jesus brought into that culture which then his followers began to actually promote was that dignitas was not the sum total of anything Dignitas was what you were created with from being created by God in his right. image. And Dignitas was already yours. So in the New Testament culture, for, for Jesus and his followers, every person from slave, female, prisoners, uh, everybody automatically had Dignitas. They were worthy of honor. And that honor was the, the foundation from which Jesus and his followers began to move and function and operate. So that word to me, that's really been sort of the way I've taken on in my own life, like function with dignitas because it's been given by God and then function in a world where every human being you lay eyes on already has it. And, and then let's just see if if we can treat them in a way that enhances that, helps them become aware of it and invites uh, the Jesus who loves them and gave it to them originally into their heart and life. So yeah, that's that's my sort of personal motto and I remind myself with it because it's got my business name attached, so. <laughs> Man, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I feel I've been a, a recipient of your uh, dignitas. You've, you've been so honorable and and uh, just thankful for you. But just uh, we, we got to have you come back on for round two to just keep this conversation going. But just we like to end by asking, how can we be praying for you today, Phil? Mm, uh, thank you for asking that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would I would say, uh, the, I mean, the, the most pressing thing on my plate right now really is uh, connected to, to some people that I'm coaching mentoring and leading um, a majority of my clients right now are elite junior golfers meaning they're still under the age of 18 few of them are in college uh, that i work with regularly weekly um, but this allows me to be engaged with a lot of families a lot of parents and part of what's happening right now is the opportunity to have influence on some of the parents is really direct like i mean right in front of me and some of these are very complicated situations complicated family situations complicated marriages um, complicated relationships between parents and uh, their their kids and uh, i've i've been given i think by god a unique voice in those situations but um really hungry for his discernment on timing on ways to bring possibilities of a hopefulness and not just sort of speak condemnation on situations. So my, that would really be, I would covet prayers for uh, just discernment and wisdom in navigating 
um, these relational dynamics in this space that I feel like God's put me in the middle of. So, mm. well, let's pray right now. Sure. Thank you, man. King Jesus, we we love you, God, and we're just thankful for you for um, for choosing us to be your sons and and followers. And um, God, we just are amazed and and uh, encouraged by how you've put Phil uh, in the lives of, of so many young people. And uh, we just pray that right now that you would just give him discernment on on timing and help him to speak life and. Uh, speak the the truth of of your word into uh the people that he gets to to work with uh, each day and each week and uh god we uh, we love you god and we ask all these things in jesus's name amen amen thank you chad amen chad i really enjoyed this conversation what i really enjoyed was how thoughtful his answers were. He, you could tell that he's taking his time, that those answers were not rehearsed, you know, that he's really digging deep in his heart um, and all his knowledge to give us the best answers that he could. And then so vulnerable too, you know, just talking about um, his personal life as well. Um, but what I really liked was the, the battle between ego and mastery. And sometimes when we experience just a little bit of success, we want to make it all about us, you know, post it on social media and talk to people and and just show off a little instead of focusing on on the process of mastery and getting better each day and and learning more about ourselves sometimes we, we lose track of that that's so good and as you talk about um, vulnerability just meeting phil one-on-one he he is so present like he loves in the moment and he listens with his eyes he's never just distracted on his phone or too busy um even just a couple weeks ago um, he's a busy guy build, building his business and he just spent like an hour on the phone with me just talking about life and uh, that challenges me as a mentor. Um, my one takeaway uh, that I hadn't heard him say before was when he's just talking about stop, calm and solve. I think that's just great life advice and obviously for athletics, but when things are getting chaotic and we're feeling overwhelmed, stop, calm and then solve the problem. It's something I try to teach my kids when they're we're freaking out or throwing a tantrum. I'm like, no, 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 we're problem solvers. Like, let's fix the problem rather than just get upset. Yeah, Chad, I really enjoyed this conversation. I can't wait for us to have many more. And coach, always remember, the mission field is right where you're at.